Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to serve the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so glad you could join us today as our pastor, Aaron Williams, shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, there are several ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. These include the food pantry and commodity distribution, which provides assistance to those who are experiencing a food shortage in both our community and the four-state area. In addition, our worship team, now known as Fire of FBCR, provides music each and every Sunday morning during the worship service. The team is growing and welcomes new talent as God provides. This includes either singing, playing a musical instrument, or being a part of our technical crew. And a third ministry opportunity involves the crisis team, which is available to provide assistance in case of a fire, flood, or any other unforeseen emergency. Please contact the church office for details on these ministry opportunities. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron. We've been ministering on prayer in the weeks leading up to this message, and this may take more than one week, I'm not sure. But I want to share a message that I believe will have some real gravity when it comes to the, the majesty and the holiness of God. And there's some very common, simple questions I want us to ask ourselves. If we've taught on prayer and maybe said that, you know, we should make time to pray, and I know that many of you are, that you are praying in secret, God is developing a disciplined life of prayer, you're beginning to understand that prayer... You see, the church was born in the book of Acts on prayer. And so much of our life is born in the place of prayer. And I want to look in this text, Mark Mark chapter 6, verse 21 through 26. And although it seems indifferent, I believe you will begin to see the importance of the God we have who's seated on a throne. And when we pray... It matters who we are in Christ. It matters how we pray and the reverence we give to God when we pray. Let's begin to read Mark 6, verse 21. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee, when the daughter of the said Herodias came in. That basically means Herod uh, was married to Herodias. Her daughter came in, and it says, and danced, and pleased Herod and them that sat with him. The king said to the damsel or to the lady, Ask of me whatever you will, and I will give it to you. And he swore to her, Whatever you shall ask of me, I will give it to thee. Unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste to the king and asked, saying, I will that you give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sake, which sat with him, he would not reject her. Now, what's the importance of this text here, and how does it relate to prayer? I want to ask you some practical questions. Have you ever prayed and felt like God didn't hear your prayer? 
Does it matter who prays? Does, does he hear everybody's prayer? If God's all-knowing, he knows what you're going to ask before you ask it, what's the difference in hearing prayer scripturally? Why would the Bible call for the elders of the church when somebody's sick and they pray for them? What's going on here is you have a king, Herod, who on his birthday basically gathers a group of people. And when he gathers this group of people, he is married to Herodias. Her daughter comes in to dance. And he's got this great big feast and everything's going on there. It's his birthday. It's a time of his own celebration. And boy, she dances in a way, whatever way that was, and it pleases him. So he does this interesting thing, and really the Lord led me to this text to take a look at this king and what he said to her. Because after all, if you're going to pray, doesn't it matter what the king's response is to you? If you're going to spend time in prayer, don't you want to know that he hears your prayer and what it is that you're asking for may have some value to him? And so he says to this young lady, Look, what do you want? You can ask anything of me, and I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom. That's a powerful statement from a king. Like whatever he was over in a kingdom, he said to this one young lady, you please me so much that if you'll ask anything up to half. That means if she would have said, look, then I want half of your kingdom, he would have said, good enough, you get half of my kingdom. What a powerful, powerful text of Scripture. And so what happens is she goes back to her mother and said, look, he has said to me, I can have up to half of his kingdom, so now what do you think I should do? And of course the mother's mad because John the Baptist has already said some things to them, and here's what he said to them. He said to John the Baptist, it's not good for you to marry your brother's wife. You are committing adultery. That's what John... This is a previous statement John the Baptist said to them as a couple. It is not good for you to do this. This is adultery. So she was mad. And the Bible said she would have had him killed if she could have done it. So this young lady goes back to her mother and says, Hey, what do you think I should do with with what the king's asking me. Of course, the mother hates John the Baptist because he's, he's preached something that was true. Have you ever hated someone because of the truth they represented, not just their personality? That's what's going on here. So the mother says, whoa, this is a way I can get what I want through my daughter, and I can actually get this guy killed. So he tells the daughter, go back and tell the king... You want the head of John the Baptist. And look at what happens here. The young lady goes back to the king. We just read the scripture and says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And can you imagine what that king... It said that he was exceedingly sorry. That means he would have rather give her half of his kingdom than the head of John the Baptist. The Bible said also here, if you read ahead of this text, he knew that John the Baptist was a just man. Now his wife has told her daughter, he's made an oath. He swore to her. He swore to her that if she'd ask anything up to half of the kingdom, he would give it to her. Now he's allowed her to ask for something 
that he wished he hadn't done. This king, I would call him an unwise king. He has now allowed this young lady to approach him and ask anything up to half of his kingdom. You say, why do you talk about this preacher? Because it matters how we approach God. He also is a king. And although it's not his birthday today, it matters how we pray and with what reverence we give him when we ask. You can see by this example of Scripture, this young lady, along with her mother, had asked for something out of their own selfish wickedness, wanting to kill. I mean, this is like beheading stuff. Now, let me ask you this, though. You think that sounds all out of sorts, but in our day, don't we just tell everyone, just maybe you talk to somebody that's not a believer, and, and you say, well, you know, why don't you like Jesus or you don't want to go to church or what? And they say, well, I prayed one time and God didn't answer my prayer. Therefore, I don't think he's really there. Do you mind if I read you some scripture today that will bring some real gravity to this? And we have an example of an unwise king here who said to a young lady, not knowing what she would ask, he not only opened up for her own heart of wicked heart, full of sin, to ask for something that may not be something he wants to give, but he's also opened his kingdom up to an opportunity for someone with a wicked heart to get anything they ask for. And if we're not careful, if you really examine the people you've asked and talked to about prayer, they'll begin to begin to have this thought that God is just kind of up there in heaven, Jesus on his right hand, and whoever, however, and whatever they ask is just somehow supposed to be done by God. And I know this isn't popular type preaching. Like this isn't the kind of um, practical application, right? That's what I hear all the time now. Modern day practical application kind of means this. So give me a real practical way I can just do this. It's, it's like a seminar or something. It's where you can kind of just, you feel good about it. That's not what I'm talking about today. I want to read first, and you can take notes. I know they have quite a few scriptures. In 1 Timothy 1.17, can I just, and I don't mind if you write down or want to turn there and read, but I want to read this to you so you get a grip of the difference of the king I'm talking about, that is King Herod, over his wife and her daughter getting together to ask for the murderous uh, beheading of John the Baptist. She got what she asked for. Would you say that judge is just? for opening his kingdom up to just anyone that would ask something? Is God just if he would open his kingdom up to just anything that would be asked of anybody? And if he didn't do it, then he's the one that should be charged? In 1 Timothy, the writer there, Paul to Timothy, says, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Look at the reverence in chapter 1, that Paul the Apostle gives to this King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Now, we just dealt with an unwise king. The only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to read a few verses of Scripture to you. Let it answer Scripture. Does God hear every prayer? Now, let me begin for a minute to talk about the word hear. Will God hear my prayer? 
What is that? Because we know he hears everything. We know he knows what you're going to ask before you ask it. But when it says in Scripture, will he hear my prayer, it's kind of like when you hear on the radio that the Supreme Court of the United States has begun to be either petitioned that they would hear on the case of such and such. Are you with me? So it's not like, does the, does the Supreme Court know about it? They know about it. They read the paper same as you do. What we're asking is, in the United States, is would the Supreme Court hear the argument? Hear the, bring a petition. I mean, oral arguments begin to take place. Are you with me? So here it's not just, does God know? It's, the, it's like the Supreme Court reads the newspaper. God knows. But will he hear the case? And I think what we want to know today when we pray, will he hear what I'm up to? Will God be interested and actually receive this and sign something that sends it back into the earth by the Holy Spirit? What I have asked him for. Because after all, if God won't hear the case and won't hear the petition, wow, it wouldn't leave much power to have anything done. Now I wonder what the questions are in your mind and what you're thinking right now. Because if I'd asked most of the populace today, does God hear every prayer? I think they would say yes. I mean, after all, you read the morning sun and everyone that dies, it said they went to be with the Lord. I don't know whether that's true or not. But according to the scripture, I can tell you, it said there are many in that day who will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll say back to them, I never knew you. There must be some reverence toward Jesus Christ and his work that would cause God to respond in a way. Now, there's a difference in a sinner's prayer and the prayer of petition that I'm going to read to you. And, And let's look first. In Psalm 66, verse 18. Again, you may not be able to turn if you can write down the notes to these. Mark, I'm sorry, Proverbs, uh, Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity within my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He says here, if I regard sin or iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Does that mean God doesn't hear you talking? No. Does it mean God will not hear the petition? That's what the Bible says. If I just treat Christianity like come to Jesus, but then I'm going to regard it or guard iniquity within my heart, I'm going to guard it there and then plead to God to hear this, whatever I'm after, what does the Bible say? If you regard it in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. John 9, 31 we just dealt with a man who was blind, now he can see, and they're bringing this kind of, a, I guess, an injunction, you may call it. And here's what we've got. Here's what the man says, John chapter 9, New Testament, verse 31. Again, please take notes, you can look as you go home this week. Now we know that God hears not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he hears. Wow, is this staggering? Look. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said. But your iniquities or your sin have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. 
If I read these scriptures, then I ask you, does he hear every prayer? Does he not just hear it with his ears, but will God hear every prayer? So what was this work of Jesus where we came by faith because we knew we were a sinner? That's the whole pretense, is that the Spirit of God convicted us that we were in sin. We came to Christ. We by faith said, Lord, crucify me that Christ may live. And now what happened was Jesus ascended to sit on the right hand of the Father, and we know that he's an intercessor mediating to God for us, right? We know this. And so in some ways, every time you pray, it's like bringing it to a courtroom. And I want you to go study Daniel chapter 9 this week and see the way that you can prepare yourself to come before God. I don't, I don't believe there's enough reverence in our day for prayer. I really don't. In a practical way, I don't believe we're teaching as pastors, okay? And that's why today, I'm not. this isn't an exciting type sermon. I know that. I don't intend for it just to be exciting. I want us to learn together. I'm learning with you on this also. But there's a way we reverence God, asking us, Him to hear what we have petitioned Him for. There's a way that we search the Scriptures to find out what He said true of us, true of our family. And this is the way we approach with such reverence to God. But in the day when we, we, we treat God and prayer as though it's just like He's looking for a fan club and how many people He can get to agree with Him, we don't see that kind of reverence. But here it says that there are some... There's sometimes God will not hear us. And what's the difference? I mean, the times I pray and I ask amiss, because the same way that Herod's daughter went back to her mother, wouldn't you say that that king opened himself up to something that a wise king wouldn't do? I mean, didn't he open himself up to half of his kingdom? And she come back and said, look, kill John the Baptist. So if today we were to ask God and he was also an unwise king, which the Bible said in Timothy he's not, He's the only wise and immortal and eternal. If he's the only and the one that is wise, do you think he would make a plea that that Herod made to her? Do you think our wise king that we serve eternal in the heavens today would be as unwise as a scripture I read to you about Herod and Herodias and the daughter that danced? No way in the world would he do that. And this is the teaching today. Is that how are we approaching? Are we approaching with a reverence to the Scripture and we find what's true and then we then begin to pray to God thanking Him for what He's done in our life and based upon His Word it says this. I mean, after all, if you went to a courtroom next week and tried to barge yourself into the judge as though He's just waiting around on us to flop ourselves in there with no kind of preparation, no attorney, you would get thrown out of the courtroom. I mean, really, let's put this in a practical sense. March yourself. Uh, well, anyway, I won't mention counties for the radio. Don't march yourself. How's that? You'll be going like this, marching in another direction. Okay. But let's put this in context of Scripture. How do we approach God? Do I think if I go and whine around up there in the courtroom, the judge is going to... Just say, oh boy, he just sure does look like he's flopping around a lot on the floor. Can you drive by the courthouse and just yell out of your window, Hey, judge, have mercy on me. I got this traffic ticket and I, don't, I can't afford it. And so you just kind of, while you're taking a shower or whatever. Or if you had a ticket you didn't like, wouldn't you go find an attorney? that knows something about the law, that knows something about where you're at? And wouldn't you ask him about this to see if, 
if possibly there could be mercy or there's going to be judgment where you're at on this? Isn't the scripture the same? We're learning here. You can't just flop yourself with iniquity bound in your heart in before God and hope that he signs some selfish petition. But you can absolutely, based upon the word of God, begin to know where you stand, what God has said, and how you approach him with such reverence, asking him to give petition to, that you may have not only a signature, but a work of the Holy Spirit from an eternal God back into the earth on what you prayed by faith for because of the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad that when you pray in your closet in secret, that the examiner of the heart and of the conscience, who is the Holy Spirit, can then begin to take your prayer that in some ways may be twisted to your own benefit, and Jesus can blot out the black writing on the page before it ever is presented to God and this thing is so pure when it gets there there's no way for heaven and earth not to line up to do what you've asked for can we be too sloppy on prayer and then be mad at the end of the day because we didn't get what we came for Do you think the judge in the courtroom naturally today is unjust because he won't hear your case? You didn't find an attorney. You don't know what the law says. And quite frankly, we were guilty of what we did. But God knew we were guilty of what we had done in sin in the world and sent Jesus Christ to us in the world to communicate the love that the judge has for us if we would commit ourselves and surrender ourselves to the love in Christ Jesus so that as we approach boldly, coming boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, we will only do that because of this first faith where God begins to hear the sinner and hear his case because of the faith he has in Jesus Christ. And now it's no accident that Jesus is on the right hand of God as an eternal intercessor and a mediator. It's powerful. I'd like to read one more text on where God won't hear, and then I'm going to read three of what God does hear and why he hears. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24 to 29. Again, please write these down. I want If you'll listen as I read this, The text is so important. We have Proverbs, the wisest that ever lived, Jesus said, writing this. Here's what he says. Because this is God speaking through through this proverb. Listen. Because I have called you and you refused. I stretched. I'm sorry. Because I have called you and you refused, I stretched out of my hand and no man regarded. But you have set. At nothing my counsel. In other words, you've not taken my counsel. God's telling through this, uh, through this wise man to a generation, and it could be said to this generation in America, and they would none of my reproof. In other words, you didn't want my reproof. You didn't want my counsel. Verse 26. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when fear comes. Church, I know this isn't exciting preaching. This is truth. This isn't God looking for some number to approve. This is the truth of the Word of God. This is the reason we reverence in prayer. When we say we will pray for someone, there is what comes with that. Their lives hang in the balance and maybe they're not saved. Why would they come to one who has faith in Christ? Because your prayer matters when you pray. The Bible says the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But what am I doing with the prayer of those who call me and contact me and they're sick in their body? It's not for me to have some drive-by yell in the courtroom. It's not for me to pretend as though I could approach Him without Christ 
or without an attorney. You have a mediator. You have an attorney on retainer. Christ Jesus the Lord. If you're saved, if you're not saved, if you've never cried the first prayer of repentance to God, the Scripture is clear that we just read, He will not hear your case. If you are repentant, the first prayer he hears from you is repentance. God, I'm a sinner. Will you wash me by the blood of Jesus? And immediately you get an attorney on retainer, Jesus Christ. And every time you pray, amen. Every time you pray, he's helping and molding with the word of God. And he begins to blot out your life. And boy, amazing things start to happen. But let's read the rest of this verse. Verse 27, when your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, then shall you call upon me. He's saying this through the wise man to a generation. When your trouble comes, then you're going to... Isn't that like someone who don't want God's truth or God's... You know, if they don't want his counsel, don't want his truth, when trouble comes, here I come. But he said, I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. I know what everybody's thinking. Uh, We don't like this kind of preaching. But we do like to get our prayers answered. If we're going to get prayers answered by God, we're going to have to line up with the truth of the Word of God. And first, as myself, I'm learning with you, church. I need to go in my prayer closet and say to God, God, I don't want to ask anything amiss. One reason that our, our prayer or our petitions not heard before God is because we ask amiss. We ask for our own selfish things and not the things that God's really after in our life. Because if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will give to us what we have need of. And so how do we do this, preacher? The things that God will hear, Psalm 4.3, as I got up this morning, I was on my knees on my face in the prayer room, and it was amazing. I looked up on the wall, and here's this psalm here. So I thought I would read this to you. So every time I get up off the ground in the prayer room, there's a list of names here that ask for prayer. Some of them are sick. Some of them are not saved, whatever it may be. And you can petition God on your knees in your prayer room in a closet that's secret and God actually answer you. Did you know that? That you can actually, as a person born again, begin to plead what the Word of God says and ask God in reverence, Lord, will you do this, Father? I'm praying for this one. Maybe it's a loved one. It could be someone sick. It could be many things. But can you get up from there knowing what the Scripture says and then wait on God to answer? Because if you had the best attorney in the country that just text took whatever charge was against you before a judge, he may very well be able to communicate in this situation and you'll be waiting with anticipation and on the credit of his merit, if you will, or his understanding, he's going to give you a call that says, guess what, I've got good news for you. And when we pray, this is a way that you give to Christ as he takes before the Father and and you're awaiting the good news. This is the faith, the evidence of things not seen. And this is the evidence we have before God that, God, I can approach you I can do this and God I know you will respond and I'm waiting on your judgment if you will in the matter here's Psalm 4.3 but know that the Lord has set apart him as godly for himself if you're born again he's God set you apart for himself these are places God will hear 
If you have confessed your sin, you've come to the cross of Christ, you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, and you're a praying person, this scripture's for you, that he set apart you for himself. Why? The Lord will hear when I call unto him. The Lord will hear you. If you're born again, he will hear your petition. Hearing means more than just the ears hearing. Hearing means that God is taking this thing that you've prayed and putting it before him to make a decision. And 1 John 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence we have in God. Don't worry, right now you may be saying to yourself, it's a lot of information and I don't know, but if, if you know the doctor gives you a report in a few days that you're dying in a week, I can promise you, you'll want this confidence. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, anything according to his will, Uh uh-oh, asking anything reminded me of that young lady that come in and asked for anything. But you've got to ask anything according to his will. It says, then he hears us. So we've got to find out what's in our copy of the will from him to us. Because our father made this great will. It's called, you know, like a living will and testament, last will and testament. The last will and testament we have is the new covenant of Christ, the new testament of the gospels. The New Testament was a promise that God made to us through Jesus. And if we find out what's in the will, we need our copy of the will read. So I'm saying when you go into prayer, are you reading your copy of the will that Christ left for you? Do you know what he left for you? I mean, if your grandparents died and had a lot of money, I promise no one would wait any time from the lawyer calling you to say, we want to read the will. You'd get right down to wherever his office is and you'd read the will and find out, man, there's, you know, a new shiny car and whatever you may. But can I ask you something? Are we reading the New Testament will that Jesus left for us before we pray? This will teach us how to pray. This will make sure our heart doesn't go amiss. This will make sure that if we ask anything according to his will, he's going to hear us. He's going to take that right in front of him, and God's going to begin to maneuver and make judgment on your behalf. It does matter that a righteous person prays for someone that's sick. It matters when a saint begins to, by the blood of Jesus, plead for the faith of Christ and the resurrection of the dead, and the Holy Spirit delivers it. But we've treated prayer like it just goes anywhere, and so then you have people that aren't even saved, mad at God because he didn't do just anything. If God was like that, he'd be no different than the young lady wanting the head of John the Baptist. And the truth was, most of them out there would ask for my head from God. If he allowed just anything, they'd kill me if they could. But God's not that unwise. And there's a way that we approach him, with re- again, with reverence. We don't just drive by the courthouse. Why does he say, when you pray, come into a closet and close the door? Why does God want that special time with us? I'm sure in a courtroom, they don't just let everything run amiss. I bet he would say, if it starts getting order in the court. Order in the court, or I will have you remove you right so what reverence does a natural judge get and what reverence does god get are we praying My encouragement is for you to pray in secret and let God reward you openly. 
the greatest gifts God has ever given to me as a Christian has not been an ability for people to applaud a style of preaching or anything else. The greatest applause has been knowing you spent time in secret before God and God signed a petition that you asked of him. I mean really bearing the burden with somebody. That means that when someone asks us to pray for them, sometimes as I'm praying for them, God will give me a verse of scripture to give to them to make sure they're just looking at his word, looking toward his word. You'll see salvation come out of it. You'll see natural healing in the body. I'm not there to dispute all that with others that have a greater theology or whatever it may be. They can fight that all day long. I have witnessed it. And it's amazing how many times we make an excuse for ourselves that like God doesn't want to do that. How do you know He doesn't want to do this? I mean, you'll tell someone, why don't you believe God for this? Like your, your, this to be restored or this your body or... Well, I just don't thank God. I'm just, I'm willing to accept it. What? Like, okay, I'm good if, if God hears the case and it's where I'm at, but not until He hears my case. I mean, are we willing to pray and then wait expecting that God's going to send it? Is it a surprise to you when you pray for someone and they call back and say, this is what they say. Now hear me, especially if they're not a believer. They'll say, you're not going to believe this. That's what they'll always start with. They've asked you to pray for something they couldn't believe. But I've got news for you. It may have been out of their mind, but it wasn't out of my mind. I read my copy of the will. And I prayed every morning because of what God's authority, the law, says on this. And Jesus died. And I know that that, you're saying, well, is that that name it and claim it gospel? No, it's not. Because, see, I'm not asking for Cadillacs. And I'm not asking for a fancy airplane, but I am asking for someone's life that's broken. And if this is their last hope to come into this church today, I want Jesus Christ to so invade them by the Holy Spirit that their conscience has utterly wrecked itself until God can give them peace that comes only from heaven and from that day forward to be completely different and changed. But you can go in there. You can go in there and say, Oh, Lord... And the Holy Spirit wake you up at whatever time in the morning and say, God, thank you for sharing your burden with me. That the one that asked me to pray is yours. You made them in your likeness and their lives maybe have been a wreck and maybe not. But God, they asked me to pray. God, and I believe your word. And if I were in their situation, I would want to pray in a way and ask someone that would pray for me. Not a drive-by prayer. The kind of prayer that says, God, will you help? I remember some years ago on Thursday nights, we had prayer meeting at the little church in town. And there started to be knocks at the door of a lady that we knew at a distance, but not close. And I remember her knocking on the door and she was weeping. I said, what? And there was all that time we'd spent and there was great preaching and all the things. But somehow God was able to show her there were people praying. And her hope there was not to hear a better sermon than she heard before. Her hope when she knocked on the door was, will you pray for me? Have we seen yet what God would draw when we just need to love people the way he asked us to love them? What is God willing to do for somebody other than ourselves, even ourselves, 
if we're willing to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and let him exalt us. What greater exaltation can you get than ask a prayer in secret and have God reward you openly? Again, the most undone thing in Christianity in America today is prayer. We have more tapes, more books, more radio broadcasts, and maybe more preachers than the rest of the world. But I convinced if God would read my prayer life today, in humility it caused you to bow your head. What am I asking for in secret? What if God could say that to the audience? What if in eternity God does? He said in Malachi that there were books, books of remembrance. If every day God put in my book what I had prayed to him about. And then there's going to be a day when I won't be first in the line, I'll be last. And it'll be behind everybody I've taught. And I'll get to listen to what God said about their life. And it's a reality. It brings gravity to my prayer life. God, do I really care? Is eternity in focus for me? Because if I live with this life only in focus, I'll do many things differently. If I live with eternity in mind, it will change our life. It will change our walk. And to get to hear that, you can read Revelation for yourself, the end of the book, said heaven and earth fled from the face of him who came. I mean, everything's going to bow itself, and he's going to get the books, and then the book of life. What are the books, plural? It's our books. It's our lives. And God begins to read. Man, can you imagine following someone like Isaiah the prophet? I mean, get real with me here. Eternity. We're talking about eternity. This week, you know, as we pray for Bill and Rosalie and their daughters, unexpected. The greatest question we have today is, if you die tonight, how are you? I mean, only you can answer that. No one can, whether you go to church or what you've been doing. And maybe today it's just real gentle and, and, and God's wanting to say to you, you know what, I just want to bring you in closer to me. Have you thought it's not always about us when we go to the prayer closet? There's sometimes I love to go to the prayer closet and I just sit in there in silence. Some, there are times when you don't know how to pray. And you go to God and you say, God, I don't. Sometimes I've heard things so horrific. I said, but God, I just I bring this in front of you. Here it is. And he's so faithful. And a lot of times we think of preaching the gospel as just some fancy message. But how precious is it for you to spend some time with the Lord and then call someone and comfort them with the comfort God gave you while you prayed for them? And you could say to them, do you know what I was praying for you this week? And I just want you to know, I believe, I, and I'll close on this one. It was some years ago, I'd visit a man that quite frankly I didn't think would want to visit from me. And he was in the hospital and he was uh, uh, older age. And I remember not wanting to leave the hospital because he was from my hometown. I thought if I don't stop and see this man, it wouldn't be fair to him. At least say hi. If he says he don't care if I come back, then I'd know he don't want to visit. And I walked in. I began to talk to this man. And, and I said, uh, so-and-so, would you mind if I prayed for you? 
And I'll never forget him throwing his covers off his bed, literally throwing them. And he pulled his feet around, and just like a child, he folded his hands just like this. And I was so staggered as I watched this, and I said, what do you want me to pray for? And when he turned his head, he said, would you pray for my daughter? I was so staggered. I thought this man didn't even, I didn't think he would want me in the room maybe or maybe not. And now he's folded up like a child in prayer, and he's in his, he was at that time in his late 70s. And I prayed with him, and I watched tears go down his face. Wow. So I came back, and I brought him a tomato plant the next few days. And I thanked him for letting me pray with him. I didn't leave him a preaching tape and nothing wrong with preaching. And he said, I want to tell you something. I'm this 70-some years old, and you're the second man in my life that ever asked if he could pray with me. I visited him later at his house in our hometown. For a few years, I got to meet and love on him and One day I was at his house, and he said, you know, that day you prayed, he said, God did something in me. I said, what did he do? He said, I'm not sure what he did. But he said, I know for sure that it's changed my life. As he was at the hospital in his last week, and nobody knew it. I didn't have a radio broadcast and your name that you're the pastor. So what? But I'd go in early in the mornings, I'd shave him with his permission. That generation was private and I asked him. I remember shaving him and praying with him in the mornings. God knows that. And it started something in his family and a man down the hallway his daughter came during that time and said my father's also dying and knows this family wondered if you'd come see him I said certainly would I didn't know him either and I get in there and he's 80 years old he's quarantined off they said he will die in a few days and I went in and I said sir thank you for inviting me into this room to pray with you and I've been praying with your friend I'm sorry that I don't know you better. And I said, there's something I need to do for the Lord. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit convict you and confess your sin and let God cleanse you because of what the work of Jesus Christ did on the cross? He said, no, sir, I've never had a, a time like that in my life. I said, is that what God's doing in you? And he said, yes, it is. So as a response of that, God started to move down the hallway, and I'd go home and lay in the prayer room. This is why I'm saying it, church. They said he's going to die, and you had to gown up, and there's yellow tape and the whole bit. And I'd go in, and I'd see him. And he looked so horribly sick. I said, I don't think you're going to die. He'd barely look at me. I said, I don't know why, but I was sitting on that prayer room. I was praying for you, and I believe you're going to live. I don't even know why. I said, you look, you look very sick. He told me later, after God had done a work in his body, he said, I was so tired of hearing you say that you thought God was going to do something in me. He said, but I just want you to know, and we were just friends. I preached this funeral here less than a year ago. This is the reality of the gospel. And all I'm asking you, church, 
is let's approach God with the reverence that He deserves. Let's do it in a way that we stand on the truth of Scripture that He gave to us. And then let's with joy and peace deliver this hope to humanity. And let's do it in secret that God may reward us openly. No gimmicks of our day. Prayer. They were praying when the church was established and it said about Elijah, he prayed and he prayed again. And every time he prayed, something happened. I want to thank you for being such a wonderful church body. I know there's been many changes. But God's doing so much with so many of your lives. And He's going to continue. He's growing us up, church. A holy habitation unto Himself. You're a garden unto God. The song of Solomon says, You're a garden enclosed, my sister, my spouse. And every season of your life, is going to cause the spice of your life to come forth. Some are cold seasons, some are warm seasons, some are dry and some are wet. But the one who called you out can grow you up. He can bring a root out of dry ground. He can do for you what no other can do. And I don't know what you need today, but God does. And maybe you've thought you've prayed and God never heard my prayer. I want you to know today, if you are bought by the price of Jesus Christ, bought by the blood, you can petition the throne. And I want you to come with boldness and obtain mercy from Him. If you're not born again, I'm asking you not to leave this place without confessing Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want to ask you to have the only attorney on retainer that can get in the presence of God other than the one that accuses you day and night. That's the devil. The one that brings guilt and your pain and reinforces all that you've done wrong is the devil. And the only one that can plead a case to remove him is Jesus Christ Himself. Let the Holy Spirit then signature to you that you've come to God by faith and through the grace and mercy of the blood of Christ on the cross and let Him give to you by the Holy Spirit the peace and joy that's reconciled and not only the conscience but the life of the believer. We don't have to be in a place of depression and hopelessness and come back to the same place again. I don't... Thank you, Lord. I give you that invitation. Would you please stand to your feet? Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 9.45 a.m. with worship services at 10.45 a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 8.30 for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.